Welcome everybody. It's so exciting to be able to come and speak to you on this, uh, on this second Gift Day Sunday. Uh, and again, a warm welcome to you if you are a visitor here this morning. Um, you know, we've been doing online church in this way for a number of weeks now. Uh, it's, it's had its challenges, certainly, um, but there's also been some remarkable benefits in doing church uh, online. Um, not the least in, in the number of people that have been logging on and watching and, and engaging in, in online services. Um, David Walker, the, the Bishop of Manchester, recently told Sky News that over 400,000 people had watched their Easter Sunday services. Uh, that, that's a remarkable figure. Uh, and we've seen you know, not that number, but we've seen additional people logging on to our meetings and watching this on Facebook and YouTube. Um, and those numbers alone, they probably suggest that this morning there are folks watching this. You're, you're new to church. You're, you're logging on. You've maybe got some questions. You're wanting to explore what church is all about. And in many ways, it's to you guys that, that I want to talk partly this morning. Again, you're really welcome. And it may be that you've logged on, you just want to find out, hey, what's church about? We've got questions in the midst of this time of coronavirus and lockdown. We've got opportunities to explore where is God in all of this? And you kind of logged on and what you heard is, hey, we're, we want to give away some money. We want to raise some money. We want some money. It seems, it seems very strange in a time where maybe we ought to be just a little bit careful over budgets. Um, what's that all about? There's, there's a danger almost that that can. Uh, reaffirm some of your fears that, that Christians just haven't got it together. We just got crazy, weird ideas, and hey, that's just reaffirmed my my earlier thoughts. Well, I want to allay some of those fears this morning, and and really the first thing that I want to say: if you're a visitor, if you've just logged on to find out what we're all about, we're absolutely not asking you for money. This is something that we as a church family are doing. This is a journey. This is a mission uh, that we're on. Uh, so we want you to come with us, but, but I want to make that really clear that, that uh, if you're new to this, uh, we're not asking you for money. Secondly, if you're just checking us out for, for the first time, you may have a number of questions, a number of faith questions, a number of questions about what is church all about. Uh, and I certainly don't have time this morning to answer all of those questions. But there is a principle that, that lies at the heart of, of what we as Christians believe. Uh, and it's simply this, that Jesus turns our world upside down. No matter what area of life we look at, no matter what values we have, no matter what priorities we have, Jesus just seems to reorder those. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16, Jesus tells a parable about some workers in a field. We're not going to have time to look at that whole parable this morning, but it ends with this verse. It says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, in the context of that parable, that applies to the payment of wages. It's a finance parable. And so it does touch on the subject that we're looking at this morning, which is giving and finance. But it's a principle that we find time and time again in the Bible that Jesus reorders our priorities. Uh, in Luke, he tells another, uh, another parable about uh, uh, a rich Pharisee who prays on the street and thanks God for, for all that he has and 
all the, all the, uh, the richness that he has and the finery that he has, uh, and alongside him is, is a tax collector, the despised of society. And he's just praying and thanking, he's just asking God to forgive him, that he's a sinner. And Jesus concludes that parable by saying it was the tax collector that went home justified, uh, exploding all our perceptions of self-righteousness and importance. Uh, Jesus himself would eat with, uh, with prostitutes and with sinners. He was criticized for doing that. He would eat with tax collectors. He would go out of his way to meet with and engage with the, the least and the last and the lost of society. He would talk to women, which was frankly a taboo subject in those days. He was criticized for all of those things. He simply turned people's perceptions upside down. And Paul reminds his readers in his letter to the church at Corinth that our perceptions of wisdom and intellect may not necessarily be the key definition of who we are. This is what he says in that letter. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And that's not to dismiss learning or studies or intellect if you're at school or at university or involved in, in any form of education at all, then well done, keep doing that, do that well. Um, but we're, we're not defined by the number of degrees that we have or the number of letters that we have after our name, or dare I say it, by the size of our salary, if we're talking about finance. There are other priorities that we want to live our lives by. We so often uh, measure people by the houses that they live in. Uh, the rich and the influential have, have great mansions, and that's a way that we... Uh, we grade people in our society, the size of your house. But what did Jesus say? He said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So yes, as, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus, our values are different. Our priorities are different. We're gonna talk about finances in a time when Finances are very difficult and are something to be actually quite concerned about. And just maybe, just maybe in this particular moment in history, you're someone who suddenly realised that the values and the priorities that you'd lived your life by so far are not so enduring. Maybe you're here this morning because you want to say, well, actually, is there something that's more important, that's more lasting? So let's go back to finances. What is this deal uh, with giving away £60,000? If the truth is told, when this vision was shared a couple of years ago, uh, it seemed a crazy vision. It's just one part, just one of the targets that we've got of our overall 2020 vision. It, it seemed excessive back then. It seems even more excessive just now. As I said already, this is the surely, above all else, a time to be sensible. I know that, that many people are facing difficulties with, uh, with job uncertainty, with finance uncertainty. Uh, myself, I'm very fortunate. You know, I can work from home. Uh, my job, my income is, is as secure as, 
any job or any income is secure at this moment. But I know there are many people kind of going through difficulties. Surely this is a time to batten down the hatches, to uh, balance the balance sheets. Maybe giving can wait until we're back into a, a more normal set of circumstances. Maybe where we're crazy and weird asking for money at a time like this. And Steve's already said this in, in that video that he just shared. I, I need to say this, particularly to church members, that the money you give to this gift day is not going to go to fill any gaps that we have. I'm a trustee of the church. Part of my role is to balance uh, the finances of the church. Many of you will know that we meet in a large church building that has an equally large mortgage. And uh, that mortgage is met in part by renting out rooms in that building during the week. Uh, well, public meetings aren't happening at the moment. That income stream has dried up. So am I worried about our finances? And we have to say that, again, what you give will not go to plug any gaps in staff salaries or mortgage payments. It will go to the areas that Steve has outlined. So in many ways, yes, I am worried as a trustee. There's balances that we need to, to meet. There's books that we need to balance. But as a Christian, no, I'm not worried. Because we live by this principle that God reorders our priorities and our values. And God will meet our needs. God will provide. Uh, Danny was talking so well last week about Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. I do encourage you to check that out if you didn't. Uh, catch that word. And of course, we have those incredibly relevant and pertinent words from the Sermon of the Mount. Who would have thought that things that Jesus said 2,000 years ago could be so relevant today? Where he says there, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You know, in this time of crisis, we've just noticed the birds in our garden that just seem to be so more uh, abundant at this time. They, they certainly don't seem to be worried by the circumstances around them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or, or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <clears throat> we have such an opportunity in these days to see these verses coming to life in our lives. So I want to move on, move on, actually, and talk very practically about some points about finance. Again, for both visitors and for you folks that are regularly part of the church and regularly uh, part of giving. It's important to stress that, that God, we do not buy God's love. 
God doesn't love us in proportion to how much we give. And the truth is, if you come to every one of our online meetings, we're doing evening meetings now, so we're meeting twice as often as we used to. You could come to a morning and an evening online meeting. You could come to us in the church building at that wonderful point when we are able to meet together again and not give a penny. And God would not love you any less. We do not buy God's love. So the question is, why give? Why give? And we'll come to that point. But let me help you with some practical points firstly about giving. It's important to stress these and for us to each get these in the right order. Firstly, if you're in debt, then we absolutely don't want your money. We want to help you stabilise your finances. And if you're somebody that really is struggling with money at the moment, then actually please contact us at hello at lovecrawley.co.uk. We can put you in touch with people who can help you with that. Secondly, if you've never given before, think about giving for the first time. Think about giving for the first time. Thirdly, if you do give, please consider giving regularly through a standing order or from your bank account or from some other means. And fourthly, if you're able to consider increasing the amount that you give regularly, that would be wonderful, maybe as part even of these gift days. But why give? Why give? Very importantly, uh, why give? You see, it's important and we do need to give to support the church, as I said, and to pay the salaries and support the ministries that we do at the moment and the ministries that we want to be involved in in the future. But actually, the main reason for giving, there's a principle here that goes beyond all of those. We give so that God can bless us. Giving is actually a means of grace. That means it's a way that God blesses us. You see, time and time again, and this is so important, God actually asked us to test him in this and see if this isn't true, that as we give, he will bless us. And it's interesting, in, in scripture, there's so many verses that actually say, don't test God. In many times, it said, this is something that we don't recommend that you do. Uh, to the, do not put the Lord your God to the test was a verse that was given to God, to Moses, to the people in the Old Testament. That's, that's a principle that they would live by. It's a passage that Jesus quoted to the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. But then, strangely enough, in this tiny little book at the end of the Old Testament called Malachi, there's this amazing verse that says this. It says, bring the whole tithe, that means your offerings and your gifts, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it actually overflows. You see, we're actually asked to test God in this matter. So again, to, to folks here who, who struggle with giving, who struggle with giving for the first time, and you know, if we're perfectly honest, that's probably most of us. But to those who struggle with giving, uh, they've not really given before. Can I ask you to do something quite extraordinary? Can I ask you to give a sum of money, either to our gift day, either to our regular church fund, or frankly, even to some other church in Crawley? Because actually you're giving to God. Can I ask you just to, maybe if you've never done this before, to find 
couple of pounds maybe, to give that and pray that God would use that and will bless you as a result of that. It's a very strange uh, principle that, that somehow as we give, we receive and we receive more. But that's what God is actually saying in that verse. As you give, I will bless you. Now, it's really important that we, that we don't interpret this in the wrong way. Some people uh, uh, would, would expound or preach what's called a prosperity gospel, that God will simply make Christians rich as they give. And that's not true. You know, people there have just equated blessing with finance and money. Well, it doesn't say that in Malachi. It doesn't say God will open the windows of heaven and pour out money on you. It says God will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you. And so God can bless us in some remarkable ways. God is not a God of uh, the balance sheet or the share investment portfolio. We don't give a sum of money to see it uh, accrue by a percentage amount. Uh, money is there, but so many other things are there as well. And as you give, God will bless you. Yes, he will bless your finances, but yes, he will bless you in so many other ways. And as you give just a small amount, be aware, look out for the way that God then interacts with you and things happen in your life. And you say, hey, that was a blessing that I received. I mentioned four steps to giving earlier. Uh, stabilize your finances, give for the first time, give regularly, increase your giving. There is actually a fifth step. There is actually a fifth step. And that's to give sacrificially to give to a level that almost says, I actually don't know if I can afford this. I don't know if we can afford that. That's, that's risky. That's dangerous. That's extravagant. Um, many of us during this time have been putting money aside. Steve mentioned this, putting money aside that we could bring to this gift day. Just uh, Again, just putting a little bit aside each month. Uh, in many ways, we're still, when we do that, in a comfortable area. We've almost kind of looked at our budget, balanced our budget and said, yeah, I can put that away. And then when the gift day comes, I have this sum that I can bring. And that's incredibly commendable. But we're still in a bit of a comfort zone. There is this last area where we give sacrificially and remarkably. Justin read that wonderful verse from uh, Corinthians uh, to start with. It's a verse that's very much at the heart of all of this. Uh, and in it, there is that bit there that says, each one must give as he has decided to give in his heart. It's very practical. It's a very sensible uh, phrase or sentence. But let me read again the bits that go either side of that. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not coming against scripture. God actually loves you if you don't give cheerfully. And God loves you if you don't give. God loves a cheerful giver uh, and blesses a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That verse encourages us to think beyond what we can afford and give sacrificially. 
I was uh, talking to Valentina just this week about what I was going to say, and uh, she said something very interesting. Uh, the word forgiving in Russian is pojet vovat. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get a thumbs up from stage left there that I pronounce that good, but pojet uh, vovat. It's the Russian word forgiving, but it's actually also the Russian word for sacrifice. The two things are actually the same word or the same root word. Uh, and it seems that we need kind of Bible studies and sermons and teaching to, to remind us that giving is a sacrifice. Well, guess what? The Russian language has actually worked that one out already. That's remarkable. Those two words are the same. I want to close by praying for you, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances are, whatever your situation is, however your finances are. I want to pray that, that God would actually free you from the fear of finances. Again, this remarkable way in which God reorders our priorities and our uh, importance of things is actually the way to free yourself from the fear of finance is to actually give. Just seems so crazy, doesn't it? How, how will I be blessed if my finances at the end of the day are less than they were at the beginning? Test God in this. You will free yourself from the fear of finances as you give. Father, I thank you for everyone who has participated this morning. I pray for folks for whom this is new. I pray that you would just continue to speak to them this week. For those of us who are regular members of the family here, then also I just pray that you would continue speaking to us. Lord, we commit these gift days to you. We commit the money that's raised to you. We pray that you would really help us to steward that well and to bless the churches around us, to bless this nation, to bless our family of churches, to really give away and to see your kingdom grow and see incredible fruit come from this harvest. Thank you and bless each one of us this week.